Twice a week, Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay dissect the biggest topics in Black culture, politics, and sports on their show, Higher Learning. They discuss the most important and timely conversations while also frequently inviting guests on the podcast and occasionally debating each other. Check out Higher Learning on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. To Recipe Club, guys, we are doing rice, and we have a special guest today, Chef JJ Johnson, a field trip. Uh, he's in Harlem, and he has just opened up in Rockefeller Center. Um, and more importantly, he just got his first shot of vaccinations for COVID nineteen. Congratulations! Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I feel like I can fly. <laughs> <laughs> any, 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 literally, literally, no, you can. <laughs> hey, what, what, what did you have to bring to for like documentation? Anything? You know, you know, I don't. You know, my experience. Probably you would have the same experience. It's very different. Like, I, I, I got my vaccination at Harlem Hospital. That was where I kind of clicked. I didn't know it was Harlem Hospital when I clicked. I just saw the address, and I was just thankful to be able to to find a location. When I went, it was Harlem Hospital. It was very simple. I go to the window to start giving. I have my paperwork. I'm super nervous. I'm like shaking, my passport, all these things. And the lady next to the guy taking my information, like, hey, you don't know that dude? That's JJ owns Field Trip. Oh, <laughs> like, you, don't need his, you don't need his paperwork. That's and I was like, no, man. no, let him do his job. Like, let him do his job. And then this other lady came, they started shaming him. Um, but Harlem Hospital did like a really good job to make you feel comfortable. The process for me and a lot of other people seemed very seamless. Was in there for about 45 minutes. It was all good. It gave a, a lot of explanations. A lot of questions. Um, my arm is pretty sore. I'm not going to lie. It, it is pretty sore, uh, but I feel okay. And um, did you get the Moderna or the Pfizer? I got the I got the Pfizer. And, and so everybody understands. New York City has been vaccinating working restaurant workers. Like that's how you you were able to get your your vaccine, right? Yeah, working. Yeah, working restaurant workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm still I'm still on the cashier and 
Shovel You're out reporting live right now time. from the restaurant, from the basement of the restaurant right now. Yes, the Harlem location. The basement, basement of the restaurant. And what I'm trying to do is like really encourage my staff to get it. A lot of them making jokes like we're going to be watching you, monitor, you know, monitor, monitoring you to make sure nothing happens. Um, I think I have four cooks that one has gotten it already. And then three others that are going on Sunday to uh, Yankee Stadium. So I'm trying to encourage a lot of my team to go get vaccinated because uh, it's really important. Well, it's so important. I wanted to start this Respite Club podcast with that announcement. So thank you so much, JJ. And um, do you want to explain the rules, Chris, about rice? Yeah. So, so we've got so the, <laughs> down to the business here. The reason why JJ is is with us today is uh, we are exploring, probably not for the last time, we're exploring a very important ingredient with which JJ is uh, very familiar, is a true professional uh, at using rice, um, which is foundational for for you and your cooking, JJ. And as as always on the Recipe Club, we are we're debating the best ways to cook things people want to eat. In this case, it's rice. And if you do a Google search, this is our... our uh, our typical measure for the popularity of, of something, JJ. Uh, if you Google rice recipes, my browser turns up 866 million results. And we have chosen three of those to talk about. Pretty unexpected ones, actually. Like none of these, uh, the, the recipe I chose is certainly not like the rice I eat most often. But um, let's, let's start right there with a kind of general discussion of rice. Um, rice is my favorite food on earth and probably one of the most important things in my life. If I really think about it, what about, what about you guys? I hated rice as a kid. Really? What? Talk about that. You, you know, having a working mom, the, you know, the TV will brainwash you, like get the Insta rice, go get, you know, get that box rice, 10, five minutes, 10 minutes. No, that's what my mom was cooking this instant rice. So it either was soggy or undercooked and she didn't care. She told you eat it. <laughs> How often were you eating rice though? <laughs> All the time, every day. Oh. <laughs> it was <laughs> dreadful. But she did make like one really good rice, dish, which, was, which was like this like um, chicken and rice stew, kind of like in ketchup-y uh, flavor. I don't know what it was. She put some olives in it. And uh, that was the, the one rice dish that was uh, tasty as a kid. The rest was terrible. Get us from, I hate my mom's rice. I hate my box rice. I, it's soggy and gross. I don't like it too. I literally have a business based around <laughs> rice. Can you, can you bridge that gap for us? Well, I, as a kid, the best rice I did have was, uh, one of my close friends was, uh, Korean white rice. I can remember it. I can see it. It was tasty. Mom would throw it in a small bowl. I would try to eat it with chopsticks or whatever I was doing, but it was delicious. But when I traveled the world, rice was always at the center of the table and I started to fall in love with it. The research of rice, how it's similar in, in different places with different names or very different. But it is the highlight of 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 the table, uh, and that's how I started to really dig deep into rice. Mm -hmm. Dave, I mean, you and I have spoken endlessly about rice, but uh, give give us give us the top line on rice in in, in your life now and as a kid. Has it changed at all? Or are you is like rice in the Chang house 
the same that Rice was when you were in Mama Chang's house? Rice is the central food of my life, without a question. And short grain rice. And there's this thing I joke about in a Korean household. When you, you're younger, the only rice you eat is white short grain rice. And the older you get, 40, 50, 60, the more shit they put in that rice. <laughs> and it becomes less white and more not rice. It's like 100% white rice. And now at the age of 43, turning 44, my rice is... 60% white rice, 20% oats and other grains and and like another 10% of brown rice and then a bunch of like and then black rice and all this other stuff and I I'm sad cuz I see my son <laughs> who only eats white rice and he just is like that's all he needs is a steam of white rice and that's that's it he's great and I don't get to eat that anymore mm -hmm. and it's sad it makes me sad because every meal of my life with the exception of college or so was about eating rice. And the only thing that I think really has changed besides the color and the shit that put, is put in the rice is um, the rice cooker. Growing up mm. in the late 70s, early 80s, you had rice cookers, but they were like uh, really rudimentary. You know, it got it hot, but it never kept it hot. And now you have a rice cooker and the rice cooker technology is unbelievable. Uh, don't buy instant pot bullshit. Um, <laughs> Zoji Roshi or Roshi, Cuckoo. Yes. I mean, it's yeah, the war between Japan and Korea. Clearly, I decide with Korea with Cuckoo, but Zoji Roshi is good too. Um, everything else doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm sorry, and and do not tell me Instant Pot makes rice well. It doesn't because you need a feature that keeps it warm. And every time I grew up as a kid, the rice would be cold, and that would suck. Which is why we'd always have fried rice, and now. It's weird if there's a rice pot that never has rice in it hot, always. It's, it's like a constant fire throughout mm -hmm. the day in my household, and I can't imagine eating without it. Every meal, Hugo eats rice, and we're trying our best to give him some variety, but I see how rice and kimchi start as a little kid. So Yeah, the keep warm function is truly so important to a rice cooker. How, how many times a day are you making rice, though, Dave? Do you make it once at the beginning of the day and just have it all day long? Well, I still haven't upgraded my rice cooker. My wife and I had a small cuckoo that holds about three cups of rice. And uh, when our in-laws were living with us, it was really problematic. <laughs> and I'm still hard pressed to like, I, 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 there's nothing wrong with it. I have a, a big enough rice cooker, but I have to make new rice for every meal now. And that's a pain in the ass. I don't like that. And the hardest dilemma I have about making rice is when you have about a cup of rice left and then you have to cook dinner or something like that. And you know, you have, <laughs> you don't want to like take out your rice from the rice cooker. Cause that's like perfect. And it's in a perfect environment. You got to do something with it. So I, what I have learned to do is to keep the rice in there and then microwave some rice in mm. the, in, in the vessel that I will talk about down the road. And then I add that to the rice cooker, you know, or I'll serve the, I'll serve that rice, the leftover one cup rice. And then I'll do, you know, First in, first out, put that rice in the rice cooker. So I have this whole thing about rice. It is, it consumes my day thinking about rice. That's how important it is to me. I, I, I totally feel you. I feel like there's always a little bit of rice left over from last night. And you're like, this is not enough for the next meal. Now I've got to make another batch and I'm in an endless cycle. Interesting. Uh, my, uh, my daughter will consume all types of rice, Taya. And Miles kind of look, if he gets rice on his plate now, three and a half, he picks it up. He shovels the rice onto her plate. 
She Whoa. crushes it. And he's like, hey, where's the pasta? Whoa. And I'm like, yo, bro, this is a rice house. This is a rice house, bro. What are you talking about? Where's the pasta? <laughs> where's the pasta, dude? He's just, he's, he's, he's a food critic. He's just like, I don't know this rice shit. Where's the pasta? Can I add one thing to this whole rice conversation? Like growing up and, you know, JJ and I professionally trained in fancy kitchens, blah, blah, blah. But most of the food in the world, I think, is rice driven, right? Certainly of Africa, certainly of Asia. Europe, not so much. America, not so much. But a lot of the dishes growing up, besides the smells and the taste being weird to a lot of my white American friends, the thing that I found that when recipes that I would make to the public or serve in the restaurants, they would eat, whether they be Korean or not, they, the, the response would be, oh, it's too salty. It's too salty. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, it, because you're supposed to eat it with fucking rice. You're not mm -hmm. supposed to eat a stew and chew on it and then eat your rice after you finish the stew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like there has to be some education about how to fucking eat rice. As simple <laughs> as that sounds, there's all Europe. Don't fucking tell me about risotto or Reese BZ or any <laughs> bullshit like that. And all fucking America, they don't know how to eat rice. It is not just rice pilaf, which is great. Facts. You got it. Rice <laughs> is about eating it with something saucy and delicious. You know, and or it's like meant to be something like a maki roll or kim pop or something like that. It's a it's a entity like masubi or something like that. But for the most part, the rice that I eat every day has to be eaten with some saucy shit. Yeah, it's crazy you say that, David. When we make the field bowls at field trip, I'm like, okay, you pour the sauce on the protein. The protein has to touch half of the rice, so the sauce can get into the rice because the to. best part is freaking stirring the sauce and soaking up the, the yeah. rice, soaking up the sauce. Like that's what it's, that's what it's all about. Exactly. Probably my favorite rice is when I have a kebab or kofte, uh, when it's rice and some of that thin bread underneath all the, all the dripping mm -hmm. roasted meats is unbelievable. So like rice as a catch all is unbelievably good. And I still am shocked when I f eat with, um, like people that aren't of rice cultures and they, they're like, wait, they, first of all, it, 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 it reemphasizes that what I orders for me and what you orders for you. I was like, no, when you eat rice, it is communal. It mm -hmm. is about sharing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? That's, that's what I think. Rice is about that kind of togetherness. I think that's what it represents. And then uh, obviously in Asia, it represents life. It literally is li life and wealth and money. Um, that was currency. So it's, that's how important it is mm -hmm. to culture. And I still, for the life of me, find it funny when people say, oh, this is too salty. I was like, because you're supposed to pour that hot shit on that hot rice and eat it together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's they're, they're not being like, this uh, this spaghetti sauce doesn't taste good by itself. It's like, no shit, man. It goes on your yeah. pasta. It goes with the other thing. Like, you wouldn't do that. Let me ask you the reverse, though. This is... This is <laughs> I'm gonna throw my wife all the way under the bus here, but I've tried <laughs> Be to. Careful! I've tried to reprogram her for many years, many years. But I know when I go out of town, Jamie. I know you are doing this shit. I know you are cooking rice and then just putting soy sauce on there and eating soy sauce on rice like you're a fucking seventh grader in the school cafeteria. Like that makes no <laughs> sense to me whatsoever. Why are you doing no, that? No, that, no, that no, is, no. The worst, no the worst sense. abomination that can happen is putting duck sauce packet <laughs> on top of. I've seen that shit too many no times. Way. 
That's Listen, I, you want to be no, accepting of all the like things. Two or three or oh, four yeah. packets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's so good. Chinese food is so good. <laughs> Chinese food is so Come good. Come on. Come on, oh, man. God. We're oh, talking my... about duck sauce, guys. Shit. <laughs> so Fucking when you're, Christ, when you're, man. Your, when you're eating your duck sauce, no, when you're eating... Uh, you know, I, I mean, JJ, I want to get into the, the the world outside of like, I mean, you know, frankly, Dave and I are talking about like East Asian rice eating culture here specifically. And I want to get out of there in a second. But one last thing I want to say is it's got to be white rice that goes under your saucy shit. I've never understood. And maybe Dave, you disagree with me. I've never understood people who go to Panda Express and then get their combination plate with fried rice. Like I can't put the saucy shit onto fried rice. It doesn't or, taste the same. Or I've seen this at those kinds of establishments. I want to get the sesame chicken on the top of the brown rice. I'm like, no, and, 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 and you're, gonna, you're eating that with an egg roll and a diet coke. Come on, man! <laughs> yeah, the healthy thing was I got brown rice. I got my brown rice and diet coke, my egg roll and sesame chicken. The yin and the yang. No, no, nobody. First of all, if I had my preference, I would never eat brown rice in my life. No, it's polished, beautiful. White rice is so much more delicious than brown rice. Listen, I feel you, and I think we're going to have to talk about that uh, quite a bit on this episode. But before we do that, JJ, clearly for Dave and myself, the 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 ideal rice, the perfect rice is short grain, medium at the longest, white rice, Korean, Japanese varietals. What is what is your ideal or favorite, you know, staple rice? You know, my 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 favorite rice are what I call like the granddaddy and the grandma grains of the world. And when Dave was, when Dave was saying, you know, rice was currency, you know, I love seeing the emperor black China rice, right. That we have on, on our menu, like these, these rice grains that have history, but you can taste it when you cook it and you fluff it and you see it, that that's what makes me excited. Of course. I love Carolina gold. It's in my house. It's all over the place in freezers and fridges, um, always taking up space. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, rice that has, that has, that has history in it, rice that tastes the way it's supposed to taste. If the rice, I treat rice like pearls, it should fluff. You should see the grains. Mm -hmm. You should treat it right. And guess when I have a bowl of white rice at my house, I'm making it with something that I'm pouring grease or drippings over top of it. Uh, but I think my all time favorite, favorite rice dish is, is Hoppin' John. Why I gave you guys the bur I gave you Waki because it's a version of it's like the birthplace of Hoppin' John. Yeah, it's like the it's as as far as I understand. And uh, why don't we we should just get straight into these recipes here? Maybe starting with yours, JJ. It is the sort of yeah the granddaddy, the grand the grandma, the 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 progenitor of the sort of like Hoppin' John throughout the Caribbean, kind of like the beans and rice culture comes from this right this this Ghanaian West African tradition. Can you talk about the recipe you brought? Yeah, yeah. I wanted, you know, I would I was trying to throw you guys a wrench, give you something maybe you haven't seen before. No, we make we <laughs> but, make this all the time. All the time. <laughs> shit, shit, totally. Me and Dave are always making watche walk, you know. Wacky. Um, yeah, it's it's the rice of the hills. It's the rice of, of North of North Ghana. It's something that you would eat for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Um, it is Hoppin' John, black eyed peas and rice with eggs, boiled eggs on top, or but the difference is it has sorghum leaves or cassava leaves boiled in with the rice to give it that fermenty flavor. Uh, it's something that I had when I was there uh, for breakfast a lot. 
that I fell in love with just can't make it the, the same way because it's really hard to get your hands on sorghum leaves or, you know, cassava leaves like that. So, um, but when you look at the history of rice, you can, you can see the movement of it. So seeing it, seeing it there in Ghana in the Hills, and then looking at that dish and then seeing it in the American South, uh, with, with Hop and John, and then how instead of sorghum leaves, it's with collard greens, right? And then it's celebrated uh, for the new year to give you health, prosperity, and, and, and cash, right? Money in your pocket. That's why you eat that dish. But that's the same thing they're doing over there when, they're, when, we're, when you're eating waki. Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. I ask about cassava leaves and the sorghum leaves? How is that and what does that look like? Are they like chopping it up or is it like cooked in whole? Uh, it's, it's like, like treated like bay leaves. Like it's dropped ah. in boiled for that flavor, giving it some color ordeal. Got mm-hmm. it. Got it. Have you, so uh, obviously I, I didn't, you know, in, in your recipe, which you, you very mercifully, uh, said you can replace with bicarbonate of soda or baking soda. Um, so I mean, I made mine. I, I, I am with Chang. I am, uh, not a brown rice guy. Uh, generally speaking, you're this, this recipe, you, you know, you call for longer grain brown rice, also something like I don't generally cook with. Um, I was really excited to do it this time. And, uh, I thought, I thought, um, I would, I would do it how I cooked most of my rice, which is either in the rice cooker or in a donabe. This time I did it in a donabe and I did baking soda instead of the, the millet or sorghum leaves. Um, I had coconut oil. I had everything else. When it comes to liquid, you know, you call for water or vegetable or chicken stock. I happen to have a bunch of flavorful pork stock on hand. So, uh, went that direction. Um, I'm not, we don't, we don't eat a lot of like things in our rice. I don't eat a lot of rice and beans. And so I was really excited. And like, I thought this turned out great. I will say mine took longer than the 15 minutes to, to really get to like a texture where I wanted it. Maybe that was because of the Donabe. Maybe it was something else, but I kept it going for another 15 or maybe even close to 20 minutes beyond there, just at a low simmer and the texture turned out great. It was, um, you know, like you said, it was fluffy. It was the great, the, like the, the individual kernels were separated. I thought it was really flavorful. Um, how'd you, how'd you approach this one, Chang? Uh, my, my recipe came out perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have uh, I cook a lot of, um, you know, we had a, a, a baby nurse that was Jamaican and she taught me how to make peas and rice. Cause she wanted me to make it for her. And I thought it was pretty similar with, with the exception of the sorghum leaves and the bacon soda. But I, I did add millet, actual millet to mine. I don't know if okay. that was a thing, but, but I said, why not? And uh, the coconut oil, some, uh, I had a coconut fat instead of oil. It's pretty similar. And, I, and, and, and although this one just, was, I, I've always made it with short grain rice. I never made it with this kind of rice, the long grain. I also cooked it in a donabe and it was awesome. I mean... I, when I judge awesome too, it's, is, can I sneak stuff in my rice that my son will eat? Cause he yeah. has an amazing like ability to de- detect anything in, in his rice. <laughs> and, so this and is the trace amounts of vegetables yeah. in it, dad. Yeah. The black eyed peas that I did a canned as well. Um, it came out great. One reason why I think I, it came out pretty good is I cook this kind of rice all the time, but it does. It's not usually with a uh, long grain. By this kind of rice, you mean sort of a mix of legumes and rices and different things that are flavored with fat and then broth, right? Like, is that what you're talking about when you see this kind of rice? Yeah. I mean, all variations of the, you know, the OG of, you know, 
beans and rice, <laughs> right? It really is. So, and I ate it with changjurim, which is a Korean panchan that I made last week with eggs. And uh, it had hard boiled eggs, not soft boiled eggs, or in it pickled in soy and some uh, of, of that shredded chuck roast that I did. And that again, amazing. it was so good. And then I, I, I just soaking up all, all, all the coconut and soy is a fucking awesome combination mm. that I think is highly underrated. You know, another thing that I add, JJ, I wanted to ask, how do I pronounce this dish properly so I don't butcher it? Waki? Waki, yeah. Do they add other kinds of herbs like thyme to it or some or something like that that might be similar? I think as you see, as you see the dish transform out of that region and go to other regions, there's, there's different herbs that are added that are uh, from that region because it's hard to get, you know, the sorghum or the millet or the cassava to put in, into the dish. So I, sometimes I just put in some, some thyme. Dry thyme? Bay leaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bay leaf too. I love, I love dry thyme and rice, like finished rice, so dry thyme. So good, so good. So good, yeah. But just right there, fermented eggs, hard-boiled eggs, or, it, you would see that with that dish. So it, it was great. That's why I was like, you, you brought it together real I mean, nice. I swear to God, JJ, I wasn't, I was trying to be like how, cause Ying knows this is how I try to think about flavors. I was like, Oh, the hard boiled eggs. I was like, Oh shit. I have some pickled eggs already. And you said in the recipe, it should be eaten with some stew or something like that. Something yep. salty. And I was like, okay, yep. this makes sense to me. I'm going to merge these two together. And I, I, I just, I, I wanted to be respectful. I thought that I was because it's sort of the same thing, but you know, a little bit different. JJ, so I did. I was, I was doing a little bit of reading around this recipe. Like, it's, it's just, it's, it's. I mean, we should have said this at the top. We, this is a rice episode, and there is no white rice, short grain rice in this episode. And I was excited by branching outside of my rice comfort zone a little bit. And and so I was poking around reading about this dish a little bit. And it sounds like as a part of breakfast in Ghana, you'll find waki with like in a banana leaf with a bunch of other stuff, including, and I truly salute this move, spaghetti as well. I truly salute the <laughs> legumes, rice and spaghetti combination. My double starch. God, that is a double genius starch. culture. And then I think with plantains sometimes also, triple oh starch. Triple starch, How are they adding the plantains in? Are, are they the green plantains or are they no, smashed like It seems inside? like it was like the fried, pl- I mean, JJ, you step in fried, here. But fried, I, I, fried, fried plantains right there Just on the as side, a side to your rice can, 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 Dude, beans. I, this is so great. Who came up with the damn idea? It's like the food pyramid bullshit. Like you can't have quadruple, triple, or double starch. Yeah, it's insane. I think we're we're just way too ingrained to see like starch, protein, vegetable. Like that's a composition. No, starch, 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 and then whatever the fuck else you might have. Seriously, next that 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 whole you can't eat two starches is probably made up by the same marketing firm that said pork, the other white meat. Yeah, total it's bullshit. Totally- <laughs> You're just giving into the big meat lobby if you no, think you man. can't have starch on starch. A triple starch? God bless. Starch on starch. Starch on yeah. starch on starch. Speaking of Panda Express, that's the fucking move. Yeah. You get Combo. chicken with lo mein and rice. And rice, yeah. And you know your it, egg roll. You know it. And that's, that's, that's when you order it by yourself when you're not with your friends. Yeah. I mean, but, yeah. I have, I have done the move where I'm like, well, I want fried rice and I want chow mein, but... I need white rice for the food, so I'm going <laughs> to try to go two rices and a noodle. Uh, JJ, I uh, did you when you were in Ghana, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Is that like where you would see waki all over all all times during the day? You see waki big time during during breakfast. I ate it a lot during breakfast, 
even ate it with the uh, fried fish one time. See, man, that's what <laughs> breakfast should be. That's fucking awesome. You know, just sitting outside and definitely you can see it in a banana leaf uh, or not. I, I wasn't trying to throw you guys a lot of curveballs, keeping it simple. I, yeah, I love I love that this is a, a, a breakfast thing. Like, this is the type of shit I want to eat at breakfast. We had ours at dinner, but man. You brought it. You brought a. You brought a stunner here, JJ. I think that um, it's amazing. Actually, the one thing, Chang, did yours take longer than fifteen minutes? Just brown rice generally takes longer for like to cook than white rice. Obviously, you haven't cooked rice long enough because I, I wasn't timing anything. I was just using sight, <laughs> smell, and touch. But hold, I got a question, Chris. Did you put salt in the pot? Maybe I should have said this in my recipe that if you put salt into the pot of rice and cook it, it will take, it will make the rice take longer to cook. You should actually add the salt when it comes out, when you're fluffy. Well, my pork broth was salty as fuck. So okay, there you go. Makes a lot of salty. sense. <laughs> um, no, no, I just, I just, I just know I've cooked so much rice in the donabe. I just can tell by the steam when it comes out. And then yeah. I was like, okay, let me, let me take it down to medium, medium low. And that's what I did. Yeah, I just I need I do need a little more practice cooking brown rice. I, it's just not something I do regularly. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Uh, which brings us um, to the next recipe, which is another brown rice recipe. Uh, this one is mine, actually. Not mine. I brought this one. This recipe is like a sesame, brown rice, avocado side dish. And this is something I, I that I... I cheated. I cheated like a motherfucker on this one. <laughs> I took I'm the brown to rice. It. I took the brown rice right from field trip yeah, that dude. we just cooked. Yeah, yes. you did. Yeah, yes. dude. I took the soy sauce and the rice wine vinegar and like mix it up in a bowl. And I had some uh, some shiitake mushrooms in my fridge. I sauteed them. I didn't follow anything you told me to do. And then I just God like bless you. God bless you, JJ. Top, God bless you. <laughs> drizzled it on top, fluffed it, added some avocados, and it was delicious. It was like, okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> JJ, do you think this might make the field trip menu the the ying? Just call it the ying. I think so. That you can add a special. You, you know, add the add the yang and you add the yang and you can get the avocado on top of the drizzle. <laughs> of, a, uh, that's a secret move, guys. Vinegar. This is some in and out <laughs> off menu shit. You guys go in for ying style. You get this. This is not. I should say this is Anthony Mint's recipe. Anthony Mint, uh, one of the. I don't know, great people on our planet. One of the most like service of others people started Mission Street Food. Um, and this is a very dish. soft spoken. Very soft. He's very. He talks very like this. Yes. He talks like this, but he, he says very like important things. <laughs> My name is Anthony Mint, <laughs> and I made a rice avocado recipe. Dave's Dave's ASMR. I'm from I'm from Northern, um, I'm from Northern Virginia. But I live in the Bay Area now. You have to. Oh, that's that is funny because uh, Anthony <laughs> Anthony comes from the same neck of the woods as Dave. Um, you guys are both from Northern Virginia. Anthony, I love you, man. I'm 
<laughs> you are soft spoken, man. You, you know this. I love it. You chop up, you chop the guy up, and then you say, "Hey, man, I do love you." Hey, man, it's all love. It's all love. You, you do. You are a low talker, Anthony. The only but, uh, man I know that constantly speaks in a smooth ASMR voice. It's amazing. It's beautiful. <laughs> He's just arousing people as he goes <laughs> everywhere he goes. Uh, it's a sim- like JJ just described it. It's brown rice, uh, it's just sesame oil, vin- uh, rice vinegar, and soy as a dressing. Um, I use beach mushrooms. Anthony uses beach mushrooms, and hold then on, hold just on. what the fuck is beach mushroom? Number it's one, the, uh, never, beach- JJ, we, have you? Did, did you know what a beach I mushroom was? I, I had no idea, so I said I'm just gonna use. I always have mushrooms in yeah. my fridge and mushrooms. I like. I was like, I didn't. I didn't want to throw you under the bus there, but I wanted to really ask you what a beach. I was looking. I was digging deep. I was like, maybe it's a dehydrated. Mu- I don't know. It's a shimeji mushroom. I mean, you, you know what these are, Chen. You go to any Korean or Chinese grocery store, they come in a little plastic. Don't give me the white person thing. name. Give me the fucking real name then. Bunashimechi oh, mushrooms. mushrooms. All right. All right. I, gave, I gave the white people name. I, I apologize to my fellow club members here. But yeah, this was this was one of the things that Anthony used to serve like really early in Mission Street Food, just like out of the truck. But I love this fucking dish and, and I hadn't made it for a long time. And I think big fat chunks of ripe avocado with brown rice is... It's killer and makes brown rice much Money. more palatable to me. It was um, I picked some up at the at the farmers market. Avocados in California. I'm sorry, guys, they're just fucking stupid. <laughs> they're unbelievable. <laughs> they're so good, <laughs> JJ. Man, it is unreal the shit we have out here. I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> I, I don't. I need to come experience this. The way the, the avocado tastes that good. They're yeah, man. so good. The only avocados I think I have better are in the main island of Hawaii. You know. Um, they're just so goddamn good. And I'll be honest, I think it's uh, the, the, what made this dish great were the avocados, less so Chris and, and Anthony Min's recipe. And you know, it was fine, <laughs> but the avocados really took it to the next level. <laughs> I, I'm not, no, 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 no. I, I don't even take that as like a, I don't take the No, I was, trying, I was trying to troll both of you guys, but the it's a great recipe. I also, um, I, uh, Right, Grace cooked some brown rice, and she actually made the dish completely, and it came out great. It was delicious. Hugo, who stopped e- eating avocados, actually ate avocados again. Oh, nice! And and the and the it was so simple. I think it's a wonderful recipe. You know, it's very similar to some of the food that Grace's mo- my mother in law would make with a um, more of a Korean dressing with avocado sliced on top of rice. But it's great. It's simple. It's delicious. It's got. A lot of the fat from the avocado is balanced out with the, the vinaigrette. Uh, very tasty, very simple, and uh, a crowd winner. Everyone loved it. Yeah, the, the I mean, I know you're trolling, but the avocado and rice thing, the avocado and brown rice thing, well, the first time I tried this was a, was a revelation to me. I was like, did, did, did Anthony invent this? And then I started thinking like, oh, what, you go to Whole Foods and all you find is brown rice makis with avocado in them. So uh, the combination is, has been discovered before, but it's it's so good. I'll tell you what I ate immediately before this call was some leftover cold brisket from Dave's recipe on top of this brown rice and avocado mix with some chili crunch. And it was the best fucking lunch I've had in three months. Honestly, it was the best well, thing. I, I didn't plan on winning this episode, but I, 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 you know, the, the, the stars aligned for me to choose a recipe that was going to align as the day we're recording on Korean lunar new year. On, on, happy on, new and, year, everybody. And happy new year. And one of the dishes you're supposed to eat is rice cakes and in mandu and kalbi jim, but I made this, and um, I don't. And it was from Mangchi, who's like one of the great Korean 
online superstar chefs, uh, great introduction to Korean food, many, many, many recipes. My, my, my wife loves her cookbook. I find her to be a great resource. And uh, it's just dokguk, it's just beef broth with rice cakes. And I added mandu to mine, uh, dumplings, but you don't have to. Yeah, you added dumplings. I, you know, I couldn't get the rice cake. I couldn't. My, I thought I could bring my kids in the kitchen and do it, but they started acting wild and I couldn't make the rice cakes, but the broth was phenomenal. Good, good. And I took some, I took some like frozen dumplings from Trader Joe's that I had in the freezer and threw them in there. Mm. That's it. So it, it, it worked, but I was very disappointed. I said, I should have made this when they were in school or I thought it could be a family affair was I was going to post it on Instagram like, Hey, we did it. <laughs> no, didn't do shit. Well, well, the thing is this rice cakes you can make. It's also a uh, dok in Korean and mochi in, um, in Japanese. And, um, a lot of Asian countries have something that's similar or a variant of it. And, uh, I spent a lot of time, uh, back in the, early days of Momofugu Lab, uh, fucking around with rice and, and trying to make rice cakes. And it's something that's been a staple of my career in the restaurants in various forms. And it's something that I'm on a mission to make more accessible in all kitchens. I think that, you know, very soon you're going to be able to buy a bag of rice cakes at your Whole Foods. And not like rice cakes, the, the styrofoam packing shit that tastes terrible. It's rice that's been cooked and pulverized and shaped into a, a slice of, a, you know, looks like a poker chip oblong you know something like that you know or uh they come in different shapes and sizes it can be roasted and put in soups and stews delicious very common in shanghainese cuisine as well anyway you add the rice cakes to the broth which is basically just like flank or some kind of tough meat beef and you just make a nice clean beef broth and you just add everything and i think garlic is super important in this dish mm -hmm. and the fish sauce clearly makes it rich and umami like it's a dish I make all the time because the broth is so versatile. And I knew I wasn't going to win this because I was choosing not technically a, what we think is rice, but it's all rice, you know, at least the, the dish. And I wanted to just use this as a platform for people listening to realize like, oh, rice can come in many different shapes and sizes and doesn't have to just be steamed rice. And it does come in brown rice. You can get brown rice cakes as well. Dave, Chang, you dropping a rice rice cakes? Hopefully, <laughs> I hope I'm, I'm I'm trying like hell to to figure out how to make rice cakes on scale. I, I was gonna give you a hard time about it when you first when you came with a a rice cakes recipe, and then I thought about it a little bit more. And it is truly important to show the versatility of this thing because not like rice as a grain is not just consumed as a grain. Like rice flour pounded rice, pulverized rice is the basis for so much cuisine in Asia, outside of Asia. Like it is so versatile. And that's why I say it's so, it's important to me personally because food is important and it's the most important food. And I think like that is the case worldwide. And and we eat this, you know, I, I want to get into like the New Year's bit of it a tiny bit. Like, you know, you eat this sort of sim symbolically, like a lot of yeah. like Lunar New Year. Rice is life. That's rice how fucking life. important it is. Rice is life. Simple as that. And if, if you don't understand that, it's it's just something you should respect because rice isn't something you throw away. It is, you know, I grew up with my my dad's mother who grew up in North Korea, who was four foot seven and beat the shit out of us, you know, and we were scared <laughs> of her. She would make sure that every kernel of rice was eaten. 100%. She would make sure if there was any leftover rice, she would dry it out on paper towels in the deck so to preserve it all, like that's how much 
rice meant to her. You know what I mean? Like you can't throw a single grain of rice away. And it's not just a proverb or metaphor. It's, it's a lot of fucking work that goes into making rice. man. <laughs> and growing fucking rice. Like it's not, I mean, the whole thing, you just got to respect the ingredient. Um, so can we talk about this recipe? Cause, cause uh, this dish obviously is, you know, foundational to, to Korean eating. It's, it's, it's incredibly important to lunar new year to, to Korean culture there's probably a million ways to make it. You know, I, I deviated a little bit from the recipe. So basically Mangchi says you, you know, you take thin slices of flank or brisket, you cook it for 25 minutes in water to kind of make your broth with garlic. And then everything starts to go in there from there. You know, your rice cakes, your seasoning, um, you top it with kind of like an egg yolk, uh, omelet that's sliced thin and sort of, um, make like a egg droppy type of you like fortify the soup with, with the egg whites. Um, I did mine slightly differently. I, so I bought a chunk of brisket and when you buy a chunk of brisket at the grocery store, you know, like you're going to get some mishmash of muscles. And so I got a piece that had like clearly had half the point and half the flat. So I, I separated the two. I Chang, I cooked my, I, I did the Chang boil method on the, on the point part. I just mm-hmm. boiled the hell out of the, the sort of more, collagen side of the, the brisket season the soup all the way to like what I wanted it at the end. Um, as I've been taught. And then I did like the thinner part on like the 20 minute method. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought the soup had like tons and tons of, of beefy flavor, but, um, and then follow the rest of Mangchi's example. My only, qu- my, my question at the end of all this is like, can you tell me about like this methodology and how it differs from maybe how you do it or how other duck cook recipes might look? I mean, making the broth, in terms of cutting it up, like I, when I started it and then I res- I was like cooking and then I was like, oh shit, I should follow the recipe. Cause this is, I'm, listen, I've been getting some criticism that they doesn't follow any of the fucking recipes. <laughs> it's true. So this time I wanted to follow every recipe and I did. <laughs> so I, I, I had to remind myself to do that. So originally I just threw the whole damn Chuck. I didn't have brisket cause Chuck was on sale and I had like four pounds of Chuck and I just threw it in a pot. Cause at home, I don't want to, I hate cross-contamination. I hate cutting the boards. You know, I'm at home. I want one pot. I don't want to do any dishes if I don't need to. So I just threw that whole damn thing in there, covered it with water, and brought it to a boil, and then I started skimming. I don't even have to, like, do a blanch of it, like, to degorge the blood. I just, like, I'll just cook it. I know all the impurities are going to come up, and I'll skim it. So Mm -hmm. as it's getting super hot, I I felt bad about not following Manchi's recipe, and then I put my hand in the boiling water, and I (laughs) chopped it all up. Um... And I was like, what? I know. I, uh, I was like, oh shit! I was like, I literally just put it. Not it wasn't boiling quite yet. I'd probably say it was like 150 degrees at that point. And um, you pulled the meat out, and then I just pulled the meat it. out like I was in a sci-fi film. <laughs> and then cursing out loud, fuck, that's hot, fuck, fuck, fuck. Ah, I'm not pulling out like not like like smiling like oh this is nothing. I was like oh god, this hurts so much. <laughs> Wait, do you, do you have this moment? Like, this happens to me sometimes. Like, I'll do that exact thing. I'll like pull something out of a, of a hot pan, and I'll be like, "Ah, whoa, this hurts so much!" And like my wife or something, be like, "What happened?" And I'll be like, "Oh, I stuck my hand in this boiling pot." She'd be like, "That's not. I have no sympathy yeah. for you. Why yeah. would you do that?" But 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 to be honest, I was cooking by myself. If my wife was right there, or Hugo, I'd been like, it "Doesn't hurt at all." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I would have oh made a sound, God. but inside I'm crying. 
this hurts so much. Oh my god. <laughs> but uh, so I chop it up. I, I I chop it up, and that's that's the point. It's like you can go any different way. I like bigger cuts in mind just because of laziness, and you're going to get the same result. But this is something that you can get a broth much more quickly, and I think it's an important thing. One of the most important things I could say to listeners out there, if you're going to make a soup, right, and it's not about showcasing it like a bolito misto or something like that, it's simply about getting flavor and then eating it later as like part of a dish like this is, it's not about the, the, the visual looks, you're going to get a much more flavorful dish soup by boiling the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's the most important thing is you take the beef, you boil it, you're going to get a great broth in yeah. 45 minutes. Do you remember, I, I don't know if your parents cook like this, but when my, when my parents used to make ribs, they would take the ribs, they would boil it, mm-hmm. boil the heck out of it. And then that, I'm like, oh, I look back in time, like, oh my goodness, that broth right there they just made mm-hmm. is more tasty than yeah, the, the ribs, ribs that, were in, that were in the, you know, yeah, we should have been making soup. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What are we doing? We should have been making something. Something using that for our base for the next thing. Yeah, that's gold. That's liquid gold for sure. So th- what you do in restaurants though is you 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 sell the soup and then you sell the rib separate. One hundred percent. I do think that it's it's interesting. I mean, we talked about this before, Dave, but like that method, like the boiling hard to get maximum flavor in the soup. You know, you produce and and without like doing you know uh, like like you said, sometimes you would blanch it, get the impurities out, so you can get a clean broth. Blah 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 blah. But at home, it's like actually an advantage of home cooking where I don't need a crystal clear consomme and, and perfect looking piece of meat. I just want the most possible flavor. And if you take that kind of like restaurant mentality, that like never let your meat boil like into the home, like you're you're going to get worse results. I think like you, you should no, absolutely man. boil the shit out of it. I, I, I always get upset when I think about in cooking school when they tell us never boil this. You know, like you can't boil stocks, you can't boil meats. And it's the same fucking chef that told me pork stock is for savages you know you know it's 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 it just shows you the cultural ignorance that's still there and it's not their fault that's how they learn too right it's it's just like one way is the only way and that's the french way and everything else is not good and i'd argue very ignorant that even those chefs can't see food through other lenses Mm -hmm. which is the biggest issue for me Mm mm-hmm I, I think that's what this is we all do because all of us here do. Yeah, and listen, I love French food, but you know what? If you had to rank the the shit that France France makes the worst from worst to best, I'm sorry, France, I don't give a shit about your soups. <laughs> don't I don't give a, a shit, shit about up. French soups. I don't. I don't. I just think they're not good. I'm gonna go ahead and say I don't care about your your rice either. Anything that yeah. you do with rice, don't care. <laughs> Pilaf. Uh, yeah, pilaf. Um, can we talk for just a quick second here, Dave? I mean, we talked about a little bit about this, about New Year's here. I mean, do you do you eat this on New Year's? Do, I mean, does, do you guys do Korean New Year, Lunar New Year at your house? You know, I grew up in a Christian household, so this is like pagan holiday. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but my wife's side didn't. So this is a very, very important holiday for her. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm stoked. It's almost like, how should I say? To listeners, I grew up in like a, a, a Jewish household, never being able to celebrate Christmas. And then I married into a, 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 a yeah. Christian family and I get to celebrate, um, you know, uh, Hanukkah and Christmas. And that's what it feels like now. <laughs> that's, 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 that's so perfect. Yeah. I think that, you know, we we didn't 
celebrate Lunar New Year. Like we didn't make a big deal out of it like Christmas or something where, you know, me and my little brother would look forward to it or you make a big deal. But I really realized this year, because now we're not able to get together with family that it was it was like a weird sixth sense thing. I suddenly like flashback on the rest of my life and I was like, we always do something for Chinese New Year. We always do, even if we don't make a big deal out of it. And maybe it didn't have that sort of like emotional importance to me. But what I'm realizing now with kids is like you give these things importance by doing them, right? You give them importance by celebrating New Year. And so I was really happy that you brought this recipe because I was able to make it last night serve it to my kids and be like, you know, you eat rice cakes, you eat rice on New Year's. It's it's about, you know, what it means. It's about wishing prosperity and good health to your family. And, you know, it's just, it, it was like this adult moment for me. And maybe you guys have had these or maybe you haven't, where it's just like, oh shit, like I can't just rely on my, <laughs> my parents to tell me what's important anymore. I've got to define what's important to my kids. And so like, anyway, this was, it was a really nice surprise at the end of the day, Dave, that like I was able to make this rice cake dish for my kids and share it with them. And, and today's Chinese New Year and we're going to do a whole a big dinner tonight too. So anyway. Well, hold on here. You, you know, I, need, I just learned something. I didn't realize rice was celebrated for prosperity for, for your guys' culture. Like that's, in my culture as well, right? The New Year's Day, you eat rice, black beans, and collard greens. And if you don't, shame on you, right? Yep. So it's it's really great to, to show how universal rice is uh, within the cultures um, that is supposed to really it's supposed to bring you happiness and love and prosperity for for the year to come. So thanks for dropping that knowledge. Uh, I feel more connected to you guys now. Can I add one thing about rice? Um, is there a name for the crispy bit of the rice, you know, in, in every country of the world? Ah, shit, I don't know what it is in Chinese, but there are definitely one. It's nurongji in, in Korean. It's it's konkon in like Dominic in Dominican Republic. It's uh in Puerto Rico, it's begao um for the bottom of the pan. Kadig, you know, I think it's like uh, Persian. I think it's like guobao or something in Chinese. Yeah, but it's the it's the part that like everything else is fluffy, but it's the bottom part that was in contact with the pan, right? Like this is what we're talking about for everybody else's sake, the the scorched crunchy bit. But I feel like everybody every rice culture in the world knows that's the best part of the fucking rice. <laughs> best, best part. Best part, man. The uh that's true. I can imagine my French culinary teacher being like, no, 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 that's burnt. It's not good. You can't throw that out. Get that shit out of here. (laughs) Obviously rice is, is important to us. Obviously we love rice. You know, uh, Dave, we've gotten a little criticism for the last couple episodes where people were like, if you guys fucking hate halibut so much, why'd you fucking cook it? <laughs> like, you know, I think we've chosen the complete opposite here, which is rice, JJ, which we what, truly what love. What are your thoughts on halibut as a fish? Oh, no. Oh, no. Not the can of worms. I was not the fish of worms. I was hoping to open up. A bunch of people that like get angry that I don't like you. You don't like halibut? I don't like halibut. I, I prefer fluke. I prefer fluke from Long Island. Yeah. Uh, but I do. Uh, I do like halibut. I, I will order halibut. Why don't you like halibut? It's too dry. It's too. Ugh. Too dry. <laughs> I too agree early. with you on Redi- I, I I agree with you on Ridicchio. I don't like Ridicchio. I heard that episode when you talked about. It. I'm in the same boat as you. But halibut, if it if it's cooked right, I feel like it's good. But it can dry out quick. Uh, but I'm a I'm a I'm a more of a fluke guy than halibut. But uh, I will eat it. The fluke the fluke saves this conversation. Thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, I was, my <laughs> I was also thinking, JJ, you think there's a possibility because I was like the setup at a field trip. Maybe you guys could sell rice cakes too because they hold their their sandbag. They're so easy to sandbag. Yeah, I I think we can do it. I think we might we I might hit you on the side. Maybe we'll do yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my. <laughs> <laughs> I, I my my point being there is an, uh, the, an endless world for rice. There are many many more recipes. Like these are these were um, kind these of are the three best rice rice, rice <laughs> recipes the in the entire best. internet. You don't have to look anywhere else. <laughs> this is it. There's close to a billion rice recipes. We, you, you, we you, found you, the best three. You came to the place where the curation, the, <laughs> the best curation of all the rice recipes. This is it. We've distilled all the internet to these three recipes. You're done. Uh, I'm just remembering that we spent 22 minutes like talking, just like waxing poetic about short grain white rice that we love so much, and then we're like, anyway, brown rice and rice cakes. That's what we're talking about today. Is there is there a winner? Yeah. So let's do no. some vote. Let's, let's, I let's don't just... think so. No, man. Everybody's dish was. I yeah. mean, I, both di everybody's dish was good and all, all means something. So I think we'll take the uh, consolation trophies uh, and uh, pass those around. <laughs> Yang, you have a couple over there. I guess we're all just. I guess if we're not, if there's no winner, that makes means we're all fucking losers. So there's that. <laughs> um, I, I know our producers are like, no, you guys have to pick a winner. But uh, you know, guys, this is not a. This is not uh, a. Fuck uh, it, I'll choose it. I won. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it is a new year, so it only it has to go to you. No, 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 no. I, I didn't no. win. I, I think we. I think they literally. I don't think I should win because it wasn't necessarily a rice recipe, right? If anything, I'm like boil out of a bag. My shit's already cooked. Um, <laughs> I think it's a co-winner between Chris and JJ. I'll share it with you, JJ, if you're up for it. I'll share the I'm, honors. I'm, I'm down. But that broth, that broth was a rice amazing. recipe, man. <laughs> <laughs> Davis, Davis treating his own recipe like a. I, it, I try he's to being make my own. It. I try to make my own freaking uh, rice cakes. That's not easy to do. I don't think you should do that. <laughs> I would I never do that. I know, man. I There's trying. a microwave method. You can do it. That's a whole nother angle. I would, yeah, it's a lot of work. But um, I, I think that what you guys did was a more traditional recipe, and it should be celebrated as such. And I, I, I didn't really do anything. I didn't really do anything. I'm a terrible lawyer. Nobody should ever hire me to defend them. <laughs> it's true. I just, once again, I was like, you're going to fucking lose. It is true. He has walked into the courtroom with his client every time and been like, uh, I don't want to defend this person. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, JJ, come back with us. Talk more recipes. Let's do some more rice cooking. As always, everybody follow us on Instagram at Recipe Club. Follow our Facebook group, Recipe Club Podcast. Share your comments, photos, videos. I, I know people are sending us suggestions for things to cook. Keep sending those in to Recipe Club at MajorDomoMedia.com. It's sort of in our hands. It's sort of not. It's very much in the wheels hands, generally speaking. And give us five stars uh, on iTunes podcast, Apple podcast page. Follow Chef JJ on Instagram. Support Field Trip. Give us a give us a little taste of how things are going right now, JJ. We talked to you on, on the Chang Show a couple of weeks back or a month or so. Uh, you're about to open... At Rockefeller, how's how's it going? So Rock Rock opened up last. I think what week is this? I lost track of these. We were like a couple days into it, Yang. So it, it shows a pretty good upside there, Rock Center. 
Quest Love and her roots uh, sent their team down and grabbed some food already, which was was nice to to see from support. Uh, and uh, Harlem is really becoming a uh, its own engine. It's really beautiful to see people coming in, ordering, getting stuff. We did this like a two two for two deal, like two bowls for twenty bucks, and it became like a really big hit over this month. Long Island City. I'm trying to learn that market. That's a tough one. Be just upfront, straight. We're in a small food hall and um, never done that before. So trying to learn that and, and trying to work work through that, especially with there was no indoor dining. So it turns into like a ghost kitchen kind of ordeal. So that one's a little tough, but overall uh, we're doing good. People have jobs and uh, eating rice and hopefully we'll get some uh, rice cakes on the menu from Chang soon. Yes. Uh, yeah, oh guys, if you're if you're in New York, get out there and support JJ. I mean, this is a man who knows rice. Eat this food. Field trips popping up all over the place. Um, our next episode, I believe, is going to be on Polenta with uh, Rachel Kong. Uh, Dave, any last thoughts about rice? About field trip? About um, no, your client? I, 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 I love I love JJ very much. I'm always happy to see him, and I can't wait to see him in person soon enough. And uh, I just wanted to tell the audience that if you want to send your participation or consolation trophies to Chris Ng, please send them. And send all those trophies. I got a whole trophy. Send, send a photo of that to, uh, <laughs> to, to our Instagram account. <laughs>